Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, August 10th, 2020, and today we're reading from the big book in the doctor's opinion, page Roman numeral 28, that's XXVIII, the second paragraph, Frothy Emotional Appeal. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Naomi B., 12 traditions, Ilana P., Reading the text are Lynn F., Nancy P., and Crystal P. in the background, and our newcomer greeter is Claire E., and the host for the second hour is Jen A. Thank you all for your service. So uh, the reference number for Sunday, August 9th, 2020, is 15,128. That's 15128. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We want, there are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Naomi B. to read the 12 steps. Thanks, Katie. Good morning, family. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we are powerless over food that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admit it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi. I will now ask Ilana P. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. It's Ilana P. from Pittsburgh, and here are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, 
a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, thus problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Ilana. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study on the big book on page Roman numeral 28, the second paragraph, Frothy Emotional Appeal. And I will ask Lynn F. to begin reading. Good morning, Katie. This is Lynn F. Recovered in Pennsylvania. Frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. The message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. In nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. I am um, grateful and honored to share this morning on this paragraph. And I, um, for me, frothy emotional appeal prior to recovery would look something like this. Lynn, you've got such a pretty face. Wow, you know, it would look uh, something, your stomach got got really big. Why don't you do something about that? Um, 
you know, you could just do, if you lose a few pounds, you would look really, you know, you would be really pretty. And these are the things that I heard as a child growing up. And these things imprinted in me in my life. Um, Likewise, I could not and would not um, hear a message from anyone um, in any of the pay and wave programs. I tried them. They didn't work. I, the the message carried its 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 message for so long. The message which finally interested me was the message that I got when God brought me into the room of OA, and I heard people say um, the things that I had only heard in my head. And what the text tells me is that the message um, from the people in the room from recovered people, their, uh, the message of their, their message um, is something that I can rely on. And it naturally happened for me. It had depth and weight. The door was held open for me, and then I was given the opportunity to recover. That um, I met people with a light in their eye who had talked the same way that only I heard in my head. Today, how does this translate for me? Um, it tells me that these, that their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. And so for me, what does that look like? That door was held open. Um, the food was removed. I understood the allergy. I cleared my mind like it's been told in the book. And I did the step work, and I and I work on my step work continuously, and I recover today, one day at a time, with all of you. And thank God that um, the message was held, and I can too hold the door open today, both figuratively and literally, for the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And today. I can recover, and today, yes, I have a power greater than myself, and I have recreated my life, um, and I don't eat compulsively anymore. Um, I'm so grateful for this program, and I'm grateful for all of you, and that's what I have. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lynn, for getting us started on this second paragraph on page Roman numeral 28. Okay, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on this paragraph? Melissa P. Melissa C. Melissa P. Melissa C. Crystal K. Crystal. Sandy S. Sandy S. Sharon K. Sharon K. Sharon K. Okay, I got. I have Sharon K. Is that what it is? Oh, Karen K. Okay. Karen okay. K. With, with with a K. Okay, got you, Karen. Okay, I have Melissa P. Melissa C. Crystal. I'm guessing it's Crystal P. Um, Sandy S. Karen K. Was there anyone else I missed? Anyone else like to get in this group? Karen S. Okay, 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 Karen S.
Okay, I didn't hear any of those names. I'm sorry. Len P. Len P. Okay. Chris F. Okay, well, that's a good group. Aaron S. Is it Aaron S. as in Sam? Uh, No, F. as in Frank. Okay. Okay, well, that's a good group. Let's uh, go with that. Melissa P., Melissa C., Crystal P., Sandy S., Karen K., Len P., um, Chris F., and Aaron F. Okay, go ahead, please, Melissa P., followed by Melissa C. Hey, good morning. Thank you for your service. My name is Melissa P. I'm from Buffalo. Um, this is This is where things started to really been in my brain when I read this with my sponsor. You know, I uh, went through infertility that was a lot related to my diet and the way women's bodies work and people, including my husband and my doctor, would look at me with these eyes of why can't you just stop eating like that so we could have a baby and I, I couldn't. I couldn't put the food down. Um, you know, and everything that I ever wanted was at the end of this tunnel of being a mom. And uh, the food had me in a grip so tight. You know, this disease had me by the neck and everything I wanted. And I just, I couldn't. Um, you know, and today, <laughs> today life looks different. And, and thank God, um, you know, because when I read down this paragraph about how I had to, or I got to, um, recreate my life, you know, grounded in this set of ideals. Again, thank God. Um, because today that same baby that I fought to have, he's four and in a few hours he's having a tumor removed from his stomach. And, uh, a few years ago I would be face deep in some cake and screaming at everyone on our way to the city to have his surgery. And and I'm not because my ideals for this situation look so led differently by a higher power. Um, You know, where I have people that I can process some of my, some of my crazy thoughts with, and I have this beautiful program and all of you who have went before me in these similar situations, um, you know, where today in my ideals, grounded in love, and, and how can I be of service, and how can I bring peace to this situation, um, because, you know, that's who God wants me to show up as, um, you know, and so even though this disease had me for a while and made having him that much harder, I'm so grateful for that struggle, and I'm so grateful for every other time that I turn to food for comfort because now I have something bigger and better to wrap myself in. Um, And I'll be bringing my God's God with me today into that waiting room and I'm on the meeting and I did my writing and those ideals, they're here um, because I, I know who has him and I know who has me. So thank you to all of you for being here today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa P., and thank you. We'll be praying for your husband. Um, Melissa C., please go ahead, followed by Crystal P. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Thanks, Katie, so much for your service this morning, and likewise, praying for Melissa's baby, her son. Um, 
So, you know, um, this frothy emotional appeal, it doesn't work. It doesn't have depth and weight for someone like me. And, you know, when I think about um, frothy emotional appeal, it's all the times that people generally lovingly sat me down and pleaded with me to do something, just do something with the, you know, they would say, my parents would often sit me down at the kitchen table. I don't know why it was always the kitchen table, but they would say things like, you're so smart. You're a smart girl. You should be able to do something. And you're a pretty girl. You got a beautiful face and you're destroying your life. And, and it didn't work. It just never, ever worked. And then, um, you know, fast forward, I was a, a grown woman with two young, young children. And the most emotional appeal that I've ever encountered came from my mother-in-law. And she's very stoic. She's not one to like start crying easily. But this woman sat me down at my kitchen table, um, at my own kitchen table. So I was a little pissed because I didn't like to be sat down at my table. Um, And she began to tell me how when she was a little girl, her mother died. And it was the worst thing in the world that could happen to a young child to lose a mother. And then she said, you know, and then Melissa, um, when I was a young wife, um, your husband's father died. And I saw it happen to my boys. So I lost my mother as a young girl. I lost my husband as a young bride. And I saw my children grow up without a parent. It is the worst thing in the world, a child that grows up with a missing parent um, is never really fully happy. Something is always missing. And she started to cry and she said, and I'm looking at you and you're getting bigger and bigger and you're going to do this to my grandchildren, right? And when I tell the story today, it kills my heart. I'm always, I feel like full of tears when I think about it. But you know what? It didn't work. Like, it was frothy, and it was emotional, and I was mad at her. Can you imagine? Like, that was my response. I was I was pissed. I was uncomfortable. I was humiliated. And you know what I did the second she left my house. Of course I ate. And, you know, so for me, um, emotional appeals did not work. Uh, someone telling me that I was killing myself didn't work. When someone sat across the table from me or from a meeting and told me that they were killing themselves and that God saved them, that's what worked. And so that's what we do, right? We tell that we were dying and that God saved us. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Crystal P., you're up, followed by Sandy F. Hi, good morning. This is Crystal P. from Toronto, Compulsive Overeater. Um, for me, I was thinking about why does the emotional appeal not work? You know, because my family members and my friends, they loved me dearly. And the doctors were, it wasn't like to any normal person. It was not emotional and frothy. It was real. It was, you're, you're not going to make it if you don't, you know, do this. And the, the main reasons I think that it didn't work was because, first of all, none of them knew what was wrong with me. They were trying to give me solutions to things when they didn't know what the problem was. How can you find a solution to something when you don't know what the root cause of the problem was? And all the solutions that they were offering me, they had no evidence that it would work. It was just, well, try this berry diet, try this juice thing, just do something. But they had no evidence it was going to work. And what they didn't realize is they didn't see 
that, you know, to them, it's just, well, just don't eat chocolate anymore. It's not that big a deal, you know. If your life is on the line, yeah, it's not pleasant, but if your life is on the line, it's worth it. But what they didn't understand was they were taking away the one thing that helped me cope with life. It's like I was standing at the edge of a cliff, and they're just saying, like, just jump, just try it. You know, maybe there'll be land, you know, maybe there'll be water below you. You'll be fine. And they didn't understand that they were asking me to jump into an abyss. You're asking me to face my worst fears, the feelings that I, I couldn't bear to face so much that I'd rather eat myself to death in a slow, humiliating way. Um, you're telling me just, just give it up. And there was nothing, nothing that could make me do that, to jump off a cliff like that. But when I showed up at an OA meeting and I heard these 12 steps, the reason it had depth and weight was first, they knew what was wrong with me. They could tell me, okay, this is the root cause. This is not just, we're not just putting a Band-Aid on the, you know, a Band-Aid on the problem. We're telling you what the root cause is. You have a spiritual problem with life that you can't handle life or feelings or human emotions the way other people can, and food is your only coping mechanism. Um, and then the, the second most important thing is that they had evidence that this worked. They had a solution where I could see sitting in front of me people who had implemented the solution, and it had worked for them. And between those two things, that's what had depth and weight. Because if I have to jump off a cliff, I need to know that I have a parachute that's going to help me land, and I need to know that somebody else jumped before me, and they landed safely. Otherwise, nothing's going to get me to jump off that cliff. Because today in program, yes, putting down the food was hard, but facing my character defects, facing the deepest fears I have is harder than anything else I've ever had to do with the food. So I need to know that there's a solution that works, and I need to know it's fixing the right problem. And that's why this program works for me. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Crystal. Okay, Sandy S., you're up, followed by Karen, Karen K. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Asheville, recovered compulsive overeater. I think what really hits me is something grounded in a power greater than ourselves that sort of like everything within me needs to be grounded in a power greater than myself because everything within me was grounded in fear. And... I just needed to have something somehow reduce that fear. For me, food was never the problem ever, and nobody in my life ever thought it was the problem. Even though I was eating and throwing up 12 times a day, I have no idea why nobody in my life really focused on that. I guess it was because I was so debilitated. I was so depressed that kind of everyone knew, like, that was my problem. And I'll say, after 44 years of recovery, my life is being recreated. And at the age of 73, I really feel a sense of urgency to experience my higher power every day. And what that means for me is being totally honest with myself not turning away from experiences within me that I don't like, really telling myself the truth, and really turning to a higher power and trusting that the right answers will come. And every day when I wake up, I just pray for one thing and one thing only, for God to show me the next right action 
that'll contribute to my well-being. And just take the next step. And the next step for me was sharing on this meeting, which I'm not doing as often anymore, only because God is showing me that there are other ways to get closer to him. I reach out to other things besides the program. The program is very important. But part of the program for me is seeing other resources, seeing people who really have what I want, which is ease, inner ease, connection with a higher power, and I guess really loving who I am, and especially doing that with actions and acceptance and forgiveness. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy. Okay, Karen Kay, you're up, followed by Len P. Hello, I'm um, Karen Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Syracuse, New York, and my credits don't transfer. Um, I love this paragraph. I love the whole book. But what it tells me is my thinking did not work. My disease thinking and what other people thought of me did not work. And last July, when I came into OA, I had the gift of desperation that only God could provide because I had no date that I was going to go. I was searching on the um, Google on that Friday, um, excuse me, that Wednesday, and I said, Overeaters Anonymous worked before. Now, that wasn't my thinking. That was God's thinking, and I'm so grateful for that. And I go to places where I pray, and that's what God tells me. I'm going to recreate in you, Karen. God does the, rec- the recreation, and I want to be obedient to that and listen for him and when I was getting ready for my walk this morning and I just pray what will you have me be I will be done what will you have of me how may I be of service I will be done take care and I love you all and you guys have a wonderful day thank you with that I'll pass thank you Karen okay Len P you're up followed by Chris F this is Len P from Southern California and uh frothy emotional appeal you know um when you're over 450 pounds and you're staring at uh, a doctor looking down at you after a heart attack and he's pleading with you not to eat so much you know he might as well say why not you know don't breathe as much when you're talking to a compulsive overeater who doesn't give you depth and weight uh, it just kind of goes on deaf ears. And, you know, I could think of all the times that family members, you know, have sat me down, usually after, you know, some event that has happened, uh, you, you know, like breaking chairs. Uh, I could think of, uh, you know, this wonderful teak uh, set of outdoor chairs that my brother had. And I went to sit down uh, on one of the chairs at a family event and it broke. And I remember my mom, you know, sitting me down, you know, trying to have a heart to heart and saying to me, you know, you know, Len, what, what are you doing to yourself? You know, you're, you know, you're a smart person. Why can't you just stop eating? And, you know, I have just hundreds of stories of friends, family, other people, you know, trying to convince me not to eat so much that the problem was you know it was just simply putting the food down and like i said as a compulsive overeater you might as well tell me not to breathe so much and uh 
it wasn't until you know after actually after three and a half years of face-to-face meetings in OA of all places, um, I finally heard a share that had some depth and weight. You know, I had been going to meetings that didn't even use the big book, and uh, as silly as that sounds to folks on this phone line, um, you know, uh, I didn't hear stories that had depth and weight. And, uh, but it was at one OA meeting, um, and it was funny because I, I had a, my Eskimo who, you know, begged me to go to this meeting. And I remember, you know, my, my car was a very large, uh, Cadillac and it did, the top didn't work. I had a, a convertible and I, it was raining, but this person begged me to go see this person. And when I heard this person share, and he had told me that he was at one time over 500 pounds. I mean, he looked so good. He looked like, you know, Keanu Reeves in the Matrix. And I said, how the heck can this guy have ever been 500 pounds? But he shared about this addiction. He shared about what it did to him. He shared about the, the uh, how low he got in life and how recovery had turned him around. And it was like a light bulb went off. And um, it was a one-two punch, really. You know, God had given me a one-two punch because then uh, just a few months later, um, I heard this brilliant uh, share at an OA birthday party. I think it was 2003. And it was Harlan G. who had shared. And when I heard his share, it just cemented Time, in. please. Thank you so much. So with that, I'll pass. But again, thank you so much for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Len. Okay, Chris F., you're up, followed by Aaron F. Good morning. This is Chris M., actually, um, from New York. That's fine. No problem. Um, Recovering in New York. And um, so, Frothy Emotion Appeal seldom suffices. So, my situation is that I was never um, terribly overweight, and I was never terribly underweight. Um, but I, you know, in my mind, I um, and in my disease, vacillated between undereating uh, as a teen and college person, and then and then overeating as a, a young woman, as a married person. And, um, but my frothy appeals, they weren't from other people because it wasn't an obvious thing. My frothy appeals were from myself. I mean, I would constantly tell myself, you know, just, you know, you just, you know, just do the right thing. Like, why can't you, why can't you just eat normally? And why can't you just think normally? And what, you know, so I was constantly badgering myself. Um, and then, uh, when I came in the program, you know, I, I, I felt instant relief and I had a little bit of recovery, but mostly now that I'm in vision, I see that, the let's see, I came in in 1986. I had about two years of like pink cloud abstinence. Pretty much after that was continual, like relapse, even though I was working my steps and I was sponsoring and I, I think I looked okay. You know, people would, you know, I, I guess I looked like I had a normal body weight. But for me, you know, being uh, kind of with the anorexic thought process, uh, you never can be thin enough. 
So um, it wasn't good enough for me. Um, but yeah, I, I really feel like I was in relapse. But coming back into the program, I have to tell you that my favorite, favorite um, sentence in the book and my favorite, um, I guess, uh, guideline in the book or instruction in the book or wisdom of the book is on page 45. And I've read this book, you know, I've been in the program for over 30 years, so I've read the book many times, but not with the intensity and the depth and the kind of um, desperation that I had this past time. I, I read this sentence and I said, I never, I never heard this sentence before. And it's on page 45 and it says, well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. And I, when I read that this time, I said to my sponsor, I never, I don't ever remember hearing that. Like, it finally struck me um, that the point is not to be thin. The point is not to just be abstinent. The point is to be able to manage my life. And, um, you know, it says here in the, in the, in the last sentence. Time, please. Okay. How their ideas must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they were to recreate their lives. So there it is. It's a spiritual program, and uh, that's what touches us, I think, from uh, other recovering uh, compulsive overeaters, the spiritual nature. So thank you. I pass. Thank you, Chris M. Okay, Aaron F., you're up, and then we'll open it up for more shares. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Erin uh, F., and I am calling from Rhode Island. And I'm so grateful to – oh, and I'm a compulsive eater. That's for sure. Um, I am so grateful to be here and to participate in this meeting. Um, what's coming up for me in these beautiful shares and this passage that we're reading is this idea of sustainability. And um, I don't know – why or how, but that is a word that is sort of always stuck with me. And that's like sort of a core value that like, if what I'm doing is unsustainable, then, you know, like the efforts that I'm, you know, spinning my wheels and especially when it comes to, you know, battling this disease, like unsustainability is just, I think, another way of me saying, you know, I'm running on self-will and, you know, these frothy emotional appeals, like, Hey, come on in this program. And, you know, maybe lose some weight. And then, you know, clearly as everyone is sharing here, those messages aren't enough. Um, you know, it needs to be grounded in something, a strong foundation that'll keep us coming back. And that's why, um, you know, you don't graduate from program. You don't sort of do step two, three through 12, and then get a certificate and then you go on your way. Like people have been in these rooms for years and they have been recovered for years. So there's really something to it that starts with the foundation of a power that's greater than ourselves. Because if we're relying on ourselves, that's where that emotional appeal comes in. We're just in it, you know, to get a grip on this and move on so we can go back to our lives, which clearly are not working. So I, you know, very much appreciate this reminder that what we're working towards and what we have you know, in this program is sustainable. And that's what makes it so different than all those other programs and methods and, you know, cl fist clenching uh, attempts to battle this disease. So uh, thank you everyone for listening. Have a lovely day. And with that, I'll pass.
Thank you, Erin. Okay, so although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day um, in order that others might share their experience. So if you shared last um, Thursday or Friday, please hold back. And we're commenting on the second paragraph on page Roman numeral 28, Frothy Emotional Appeal. Who else would like to share? Pauline. Pauline T. Recovered in New York. Pauline C. Tina S. Tina S. Craig S. Tina S. Judith R. Patricia C. Cynthia. Lane C. Cynthia. Lane C. Okay. Lane C. Okay, let's stop there, please. This is who I got. I have Pauline T. Penny C. Tina S. Craig F, Judith R, um, Patricia, I'm not sure what your initial is, um, Cynthia C, I believe, and Lane C. Is that correct? Cynthia D. Okay, hope. Cynthia D, okay. Okay, um, let's go with Pauline T, followed by Penny C. Yes, good morning, everyone. Pauline T. Recovered in New York. Uh, Original creation by God is perfect. We had this beautiful balance of spirit and our humanity. And then it became the human recreating what God had made perfect. We needed to be better. We developed this big ego that needed to be satisfied. We fell short of what the world considered to be good. We didn't trust ourselves anymore. And picking up that crutch of carbohydrates enabled us to live in some world that was all skewed and fantasy. Giving up the carbs, I don't need to recreate something new. I need to yield to what God has already created, what I already am. And as God began to direct my life, I let go of my plan. I don't know the big plan beyond the day. And sometimes even the day is cloudy, I don't know. And the only way that I can keep in touch with the plan is to go to God in prayer, in meditation, my inventory, my commitment to love and serve God, and to keep that fresh every day in my my written meditation, sharing it with others when I come into a dark place. God always shows up. I I know that everything is perfect in that plan, even if the outside is filled with situations that are so frightening. If God wasn't there, it would be very hard to get through. But God is there, here, everywhere. And this was already there to begin with, but I lost it. And then when I had my spiritual awakening, I found it again through this program. Thank you. 
star one. Thank you so much, Pauline T. Okay, Penny C, you're up, followed by Tina S. Hi, thank you, Katie, and thank you, everybody on the line. My name is Penny C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. And, oh, gosh, I went to put the time around, and it it stopped me right away. Um, yeah, this this paragraph is, is so meaningful to me because what it's, it, it's, it's just, it's quoted often, you know, it must have a message of depth and weight. And what the, what the whole paragraph means to me is that my message cannot be based on emotions, but facts, facts of my life. If I'm talking, you know, to a, um, another compulsive reader that I'm trying to help. And so the best service that I can do is what we hear so often on this line is recover, 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 and stay in recovery by by practicing the 12 steps. And then I'll have a message that's based on fact, the fact that um, by the grace of God, I came to OA over 30 years ago, 33 to be exact, and heard the, heard the message of depth and weight. And that was that recovery is in the steps and that you must, you must, if you want to be successful in this program, you must have a higher power and that higher power will keep you. If you, if you, um, do what, what, what your higher powers will is, and you'll find what that is by working the steps, then you'll stay in recovery and, and you'll be an example and and people will see you as credible. That's the message I heard. And um, I'm so grateful that my mentors early on kept insisting you need to keep with the steps. And even when I began to think that, you know, I could um, ease up on my step work, there was always someone there. God put someone in my way to say, you know what step are you on what do you what how are you doing with ten eleven and twelve these days so that's the message that um the recovery is in the steps and the best service the best service I can give ever is to stay in recovery myself by working the steps and and um having faith in my higher power. I pass thank you. Thank you, Penny. Tina S., you're up, followed by Craig F. Thanks so much, Katie. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great meeting, great shares. Grateful to be on the line and uh, and to be part of, you know, that's the good news today. And, you know, I love it what was shared, you know. I, initially, I just brought the emotional pill. I'm like, okay, and what, the, what does that even mean? And then over the years, you know, hearing people, you know, share their interpretation and when their experience, you know, I, I kind of get this, you know, early on, you know, my, my mother or my father or my, anybody around me would say, you know, Tina, just don't eat so much. 
you know, and I love that you have a pretty face. You know, I was told that all the time. You know, and uh, you just don't eat so much or just eat one cookie. You know, and, and I never wanted just one cookie. So why would I even eat just one cookie? But, you know, what I really know today is, you know, they didn't think the way that I thought around food. They didn't feel the way that I felt around my own, my own self, you know. And so, therefore, you know, they didn't have the solution. You know, it was just their indication was that there was something that I needed to do. Well, everything that I was doing failed utterly, you know. And, and then it says the message um, which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. And through the demonstration of, of the people that have gone before me who, you know, within, in whom the problem had been solved, you know, by a power greater than self, you know, and I, and I love that it was shared, you know, on page 45, which God will solve my problem. That's, he's going to help me. says he will. You know, and so there are certain things that I must do, you know, certain actions that I must take. And then within those, you know, I get grounded in a power greater than myself. And then, then my, my life is recreated, you know, a spiritual awakening. You know, I no longer feel the way that I used to. I no longer think the way that I used to. So I don't eat the way that I used to or don't eat the way that I used to, whatever I did around food. You know, there are so many different things, you know. And, but today, and, and then when I do, I, I won't say I never do, but if I do, then I have a solution, you know. You know, Wendy's crop up, not if, but when. You know, I have a solution. And it is all grounded in power greater than myself. First thing it says, you know, we ask God to remove these things. <laughs> That's the first step in that 10 step, you know. So anyway, grateful to be on the line and looking forward to hear some more shares. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, um, Tina. Craig F., you're up, followed by Judith R. Good morning. This is Craig uh, F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I was on meeting, so I'm assuming you called on me. Um, you know, um, I did. oh, great, thank you. Um, this paragraph um, is um, kind of a, I mean, it's a great paragraph. I, I remember the, la- the last time that a, that a doctor gave me the, the emotional appeal speech. You know, I, I just changed doctors. This was uh, a, a year or so before I found program or it found me and uh, I uh, had, because it was a new doctor she gave me a full rundown and a you know a physical and when she was done she said uh, she she told me that all those terrible things that were going to happen to me uh, what a horrible way it was to die it was the first time I'd stepped on a scale at over 400 pounds and she talked she talked about drowning in my own juices and that phrase has stuck with me for that was over 30 years ago, and and it stuck with me uh, pretty pretty vividly. But what she didn't give me was a solution. You know, the implication was that if I knew knew enough about what was going to happen to me, that that I could solve this by my own willpower. Um, you know, and uh, that was exactly the opposite. Of, of what I uh, needed to have more willpower to be more willful to be more uh, to be more stubborn was certainly not the solution and it wasn't even addressing the real problem you know the, the it was addressing the problem as if it was weight and food and uh, the problem isn't 
food and weight. The the problem is is uh, a buildup of emotion. The problem is uh, my uh, unfit spiritual condition. The fact that I am unwilling to accept life on life's terms. In other words, the problem was that I was too willful already. And uh, but I remember leaving that doctor's office, and it was lunchtime, and you know she just delivered that news, and I gritted my teeth and and clenched my fist and said, "That's enough. I, I've heard enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna fix it this time. I'm I'm going on a diet, and by God, I'm gonna get down to to the right weight, and uh, I've got too much to live for." And I walked out of that doctor's office and got in my truck and and started down the street, and uh, I passed one fast food restaurant, and I passed a second one, and I pulled into the third one and ordered a couple of hamburgers and said, I'll start in the morning. And, you know, it was was an urge to eat even more intense than I was used to having because I was afraid. And how do I handle fear? You know, I, I had to numb it. I had to numb that fear that I was eating myself to death by eating something. And if I could have, okay, if I could have seen that as clearly then as I can see it now, it might have made a difference. But it didn't. I needed something else. I needed a spiritual program of recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Craig. Okay, Judith R., you're up, followed by Patricia. Thank you, Katie. This is Judith R., grateful it recovered in Vermont. Um, I am so moved by the stories of the people who have offered the frothy emotional appeals, especially the ones um, that people have talked about today. I've just never heard such good descriptions of what they must be going through as they watch us killing ourselves. And it just makes me so sad that we couldn't tell those people or those people didn't know that there is such a thing as Oanon. And I think a lot of us still don't know that Oanon exists. And um, Oanon was actually at the Boston Convention, um, but they are not well known. And I think it's partly because OA hasn't been strong, but now that OA is so strong through this stunning renaissance that we're all experiencing, um, I hope that our relatives, I mean, I joined Oanon just because I, I, all my friends are overeaters. So, um, and my ex-husband was uh, one of us too. So I just hope, hope, hope that uh, we throw our weight and our strength toward uh, Oanon family groups the way that uh, the big book has helped us. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Judith. Okay, um, next we have Patricia, followed by Cynthia D. Hi, Patricia C., compulsive overeater, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, This is my first time sharing, so I'm a little nervous. Excuse me. Um, But what I was really impressed with was, well, first of all, everyone's stories were amazing, um, and I could relate to all of it. but what, I, what, what really hit me was recreating their lives. And I feel like that's kind of, it's, it's so easy since it's the last sentence to just sort of 
skimmed past it. And I think that when I'd read it before, I'd always skimmed past it. But I think for me, that was the big thing was that I wanted to, you know, lose weight. I wanted to understand myself and be able to deal with my problems, you know, um, but I kind of wanted it in a very moderate fashion. Um, and um, not, not to interrupt my life too much or uh, ever create a situation where I might actually have to tell someone um, that definitely is not what I wanted. But um, to recreate your life, I mean, I'm having to rewire my brain. I had to, I mean, through the steps, I've had to do so much stuff to just think differently. And I'm still having to think differently. And it's very, um, it's kind of scary at times. Then you've got to do 10 steps. Um, but it's, uh, it's just not, it's not moderate. And it's funny because I'm such an extreme person with everything else, but I didn't want to be extreme with OA. I wanted to be extreme with all the rest of my life, but not OA. And I think that, um, you know, now when I've gone to the, to any length, um, obviously there should be balance with my family and everything, but, um, but going, being willing to go to any length has made all the difference for me because when I was desperate, which is a gift when I was actually desperate, then I was able, to, I was willing to go to any length and um, I was willing to recreate my life. And I am in that process right now. And it is a huge blessing, um, better than I would have ever expected. Thank you for letting me share, Pat. Thank you so much, Patricia. And now it's Cynthia O. And you'll be our last share. I'm sorry, Lane C, if you could um, stay for the second hour. Hi, this is Cynthia D. It's my first time sharing. Um, I hit two crisis points. Um, and when we talk about a frothy emotional appeal, at those points, I was appealing to myself. I had the gastric bypass on November 15th, uh, 2015. And by four years later, I had gained all the weight back. How embarrassing that was. But then during the pandemic, um, it became apparent to me that I was powerless over food, which was totally ego-crushing. I had really hit rock bottom. And so I felt like I was just giving up. And then slowly, I started searching for answers again because, well, every time I hit a low point, I keep searching for answers. But the odd thing is, is that throughout all of this, in the back of my mind, there was the concept that, well, you know, maybe God could help me with this. But I had to get through feeling like, well, I guess I'll ask God to help me because I can't do this by myself. And sure enough, somebody introduced me to OA and with, into the concept of recovery, and I jumped at it. I'm... I don't know if I can say I'm in recovery because I'm, I haven't gone through all the steps, but I'm, I'm progressing through the steps, and it's made such a huge difference in my life. Um, my life now with God in it is unfolding as it should, no doubt. And all the frothy appeals that I had to myself over gastric bypass, over what was happening to me during the pandemic and the crisis that I hit then, it just, all of this just, when OA was presented to me, I just jumped at it because I hit that desperation point. 
Um, and now I feel so different. I Before I felt like, why bother God with this, you know? But then at the back of my mind, I was like, well, this might be important enough to talk to God about, you know? And then when I finally did, changes happened. And even my husband will say, what is going on with you? you you're, you're changing. You're, you're listening to this every day, and you're, you're writing things down, and you're cooking different things. And you just my whole life is changing around it. It's like the most important thing. And uh, I think with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Cynthia, and welcome. Um, so thank you to everyone who shared today, and uh, thank you for all the, the uh, Team Monday. And please join us for our second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, uh, that's Monday, August 10th, 7 a.m. meeting, is 15,131. That's 15131. And we'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Nancy, please, Nancy P. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sure. Uh, this is Nancy P. Recovered in Western Massachusetts. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God, may God bless you and keep you until then. 